Hey, I'm Julia Furlan, and here are three stories you need to know about today. Unite the Right rally organizers promise not to allow organized and armed paramilitary activity at future events. You might remember the Unite the Right group as the group that organized a white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia last August. Various white supremacist groups got together in Charlottesville to protest the removal of a statue of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Heather Heyer was killed and more than 20 others were injured when a car drove into a group of counter-protesters at the rally. Unite the Right is trying to get the city of Charlottesville to approve a permit for an anniversary rally this August. So far, the permit has been denied. The rally's lead organizer, Jason Kessler, entered into a consent decree that promises to actively discourage organized paramilitary groups from returning to the city. This ended a lawsuit brought on by Georgetown's Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection in October of 2017 on behalf of the city of Charlottesville. The lawsuit was brought on after the discovery that the rally's organizers spent weeks trying to recruit other alt-right organizers through an app called Discord to engage in a, quote, militaristic show of force under the guise of self-defense. The messages reached more than 400 users from all over the country. We'll see if this promise changes anything. FBI agent Peter Strzok defended anti-Trump text messages he sent while he was under fire from House Republicans yesterday. Strzok worked on investigations into Hillary Clinton's emails and Russian interference into the 2016 election when he texted Lisa Page, a colleague he'd had a relationship with, that they would stop Trump from being elected. He was removed from Mueller's investigation after the texts were discovered because Republicans saw them as a smoking gun. It was a really big deal. They claimed that the text is proof that Strzok planned to use his position in the FBI to throw the election to Clinton. Representative Trey Gowdy, who was the chair of the House Oversight Committee, pressed Strzok repeatedly during the hearing, which provoked an emotional defense. You need to understand that that was written late at night, off the cuff, and it was in response to a series of events that included then-candidate Trump insulting the immigrant family of a fallen war hero. And my presumption, based on that horrible, disgusting behavior, that the American population would not elect somebody demonstrating that behavior to be president of the United States. Strzok's statement was met with applause from the committee room. And that was only the beginning. The hearing was pretty chaotic. Republican Representative Bob Goodlatte threatened to hold Strzok in contempt for declining to answer questions. And then Republican Representative Louis Gohmert repeatedly accused Strzok of lying to the committee and then referenced Strzok's affair with Page, prompting cries of outrage from other members of the committee. Trump has tweeted a lot about the texts between Strzok and Page. He likes to call them the, quote, FBI lovers, and he uses their messages to imply that the entire investigation of his campaign is unfairly biased against him. The conclusion is clear here. Just never text, people. Never text. The government has reopened its investigation into the 1955 brutal killing of Emmett Till. Emmett Lewis Till was a 14-year-old Chicago native visiting relatives in Mississippi that summer. There, he was kidnapped, beaten, shot, and killed. Two white men, Roy Bryant and J.W. Milan, were charged with his murder, but they were acquitted by an all-white, all-male jury. Bryant's then-wife, Carolyn Donham, testified that the victim had sexually harassed her in a grocery store two days before his murder. Both defendants later admitted to a journalist that they had murdered Till, but neither was retried. Both have since passed away. Flash forward to now. This past March, the DOJ submitted its annual report to Congress about its activities regarding pre-1980s racially motivated homicides. 
In the report, they announced the Till case was being reopened based on the discovery of new information. The report did not specify what the new information was due to the fact that it's an active investigation, but we have some ideas. Last year, a book about the murder and the trial called The Blood of Emmett Till was published. In it, Donham admitted that she had lied during the trial about her encounter with Till at that grocery store. Every single detail, from yelling obscenities to grabbing her around the waist, were all untrue. She says she can't remember what happened that day over 50 years ago, but she does know that, quote, nothing that boy did could ever justify what happened to him. Timothy B. Tyson, the book's author, also wrote that a journalist sent him copies of handwritten notes of what Donham told her lawyer the day after the initial arrest. In them, she claimed that Till had insulted her. Nothing more, nothing less. Till's cousin, Deborah Watts, who co-founded the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation, believes that Dunham should answer to the authorities for this. Although she doesn't know what specific information sparked the case's revival, she hopes it was this book. And she hopes that any accomplice in Till's kidnapping or murder will be brought to justice. For more on the latest stories, download the BuzzFeed News app. And make sure you listen to our new podcast, The News. It comes out on Saturdays. And this week, we have all kinds of wonderful things coming for you. So stay tuned. Find The News wherever you're hearing my voice. 